This is Mary Lewis with A Tiny Homestead, the podcast comprised entirely of conversations with homesteaders, cottage food producers, and crafters. Today I'm talking with Craig at Seabar G Ranch. Good evening, Craig. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm great. Uh, tell me about you and your business. Uh, so, uh, I'm Craig Buss, and me and my wife started Seabar G Ranch uh, a few years ago. Um, and, and as pretty much as a ranch deal, I grew up on a dairy farm, uh, farming, and I had lived in South Dakota for about a 10 years, 10 year span. And I got involved with ranching and stuff like that, raising cattle and whatnot. So our, our main focus is, is the ranch. Uh, but when I moved back to Minnesota and, uh, got married with my wife, we had started Busco popcorn where strictly that was just our popcorn part of it. Uh, where we raise popcorn. Um, I, me and my wife started uh, with growing a hybrid called Puffy Pop popcorn. And mm-hmm. that popcorn is your traditional gourmet popcorn. Uh, it has a huge kernel. Uh, it pops and expands and into an even larger kernel. And a lot of our customers like to use that for kettle corn, popcorn balls. It's a very dense kernel. However, it does have a lot of holes that we're all used to. Um, and after growing that for a couple of years, and one year I experimented that I grew the puffy pop in with a blue pop or with a red popcorn. And when it cross-pollinated, it actually made a uh, kind of look like a maroon and gold, like the Minnesota Gophers. Mm. <laughs> so we actually, we sold Minnesota Gopher popcorn for for a season. Um, and then when that was all out, there was so many people and so many customers that wanted the Hollis type popcorn that that's pretty much all we could ask for now. So our popcorn adventure has pretty much turned into just strictly white Hollis. We grow a little bit of puffy pop popcorn here pretty much just for ourselves to use and a few people that like to order maybe 20 30 bags a year of it um Mm -hmm. we started uh i started growing popcorn a little bit before me and my wife got married when i was at home farming um uh, and then once we got married i left the farm and then we just grow we grow we lived in town i have I had a full-time job working for the state of Minnesota as a mechanic, and it, it was my one way to still be able to farm, if you want to call it that. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, it's just enough of a fix where I don't have to go uh, knee-deep into debt and be 100% committed to it, where, where it, um, when we decided to make the move uh, out here to South Dakota, that followed us with it and our customer base and our customers have still continued to purchase from us. And, and at, at the end of the day, I strive for a quality popcorn that has little to no holes and that just about everything that you pop will pop. Awesome. That, that was a very, really nice way of explaining to me what you do now. Hullless popcorn. Yep. I, I've never I've never heard of this. I didn't know this existed. So what is what are you? How does that work? Well, so so ultimately, you will have somewhat of a hole. 
because uh, the way Maze was, you know, you go back thousands, five to 8,000 years ago when, when they first discovered popcorn maize, yep. uh, the, it, it, it's, it, it's been through selective breeding. Uh, there has been no genetic modification of any of the, the, the fancy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what it, what it has been at it is selection of hybrids that are basically strains or varieties of popcorn that have, that they lessen the amount and the thickness of holes. Okay. So, so the, 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 the hybrid, uh, of popcorn that I plant, um, is the, the brand name is technically White Lightning, and I buy it from a seed grower out of Nebraska. Um, and this has been out of the years that I've been doing it, uh, the last three years, this is the least amount of holes that I have ever encountered and been able to grow and talking with a few other popcorn growers that are in the white holeless market that we're all pretty much on the same page. Um, there are some, and, and there's a lot of confusion when, when you talk about white holeless and Japanese holeless, they're, they're exactly the same thing. Okay. It, it, it kind of turned into like a, like a marketing thing, um, where a lot of the strawberry cob, uh, popcorn that's grown is called, uh, a Japanese white holeless. And when like Gurney's, uh, advertises you a packet of a hundred seeds for $6 and 38 cents, it, it, it's a white holeless popcorn, um, a lot of manufacturers or growers uh, were questioned very hard about the holes because the the you have to you have to micromanage it so much and you cannot plant the white holeless popcorn. You got to stay at least about two miles away from any other corn, uh-huh. whether it's popcorn, dent corn, silage corn, because the stuff does it, it cross pollinates. Yeah, and you know typically with with a traded corn. They tell you half mile. Uh, I have had popcorn that has cross pollinated with other corn up to a mile, mile and a half away. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when 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 I first initially started growing one acre patches of popcorn in Minnesota, I would. It, it's impossible when you get into the field commodity range of it. The best place there, the best thing you can do is find somebody that has a drowned out spot or something that didn't get planted, plant an acre or as much of it as you possibly can. That's the farthest away from any corn. Yeah. That, that makes all the sense in the world because it's going to cross pollinate. There's no avoiding it. (laughs) The the wind takes it in crazy distances. So. Yeah. So I, I had to go look up the difference between corn and popcorn yesterday yep. because I realized I didn't know whether actual whether regular corn could pop like popcorn. And I learned that popcorn and regular corn are absolutely not the same animal. <laughs> Correct. Sure. So the, the, I'm sure the... you know more about that than I do. So if you want to explain why that yeah. is, that would be great. So a lot of it in, in, in my world that I, that I've learned and I didn't grow up growing popcorn. I didn't, I didn't, I, I never even dreamed in a hundred years that I would have grown popcorn in a garden. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I've learned from some of the old guys that I've talked to about it, and, and you know, the scientific, you know, U of M and uh, University of Lincoln and stuff like that. But popcorn uh, has to have a certain amount of moisture, and it's kind of a specific amount of moisture, uh, percentage of moisture in the kernel, and it has to basically have a heat flash, and then it'll, what the technical term is expand or yeah. pop. Uh, whereas field corn uh, does not have, or dent corn or silage corn or sweet corn, uh, does not have that that ability uh, in the cold germplasm is what they call it. Then uh, regular popcorn or regular, sorry, regular <laughs> field corn or sweet corn or there's a, there's a few strains of heirloom corn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like what corn nuts is made out of. Okay. Uh, what those, you can get it dried down to roughly the same moisture that popcorn is. And they won't expand into a fluffy kernel that you can salt and butter and eat. But what they do is it'll, it'll like have a minor explosion where it just kind of pops open. And that's all you're going to get from them. Okay, yeah. Where, you know, and, and the other thing about popcorn is it is a super, super hard kernel. So for typical bovine and horses and hogs, uh, even some like fowl, chickens, ducks, their stomachs cannot digest it. It is so hard until it pops or expands that it, it's just not digestible for them. Okay, that helps because I, I googled popcorn and regular pop, regular corn and read up on it, and it said that there were a couple grains that will will act like popcorn too. I can't remember what they were right yep. now. So when when you look at corn, the original maize that was grown in South America, and I believe it was the University of Lincoln, Nebraska, that had a pretty good write up that I read about it. So about this was like fifty years ago, forty years ago, they had found in a cave. I can't remember where in South America, but the Mayans had already discovered popcorn and how to grow popcorn and how to manipulate the corn to become popcorn. And that's where all of this whole Redenbacher business came from. That's so fun. I I love, number one, I love history. I did not love history when I was in school, but once <laughs> I started reading historical fiction and yep. wanting to know how and why things came to be, history became very important to me. So I love yeah. stories like that. I was just talking to a lady about honeybees yesterday. I think it was yesterday. I don't know. I've talked to so many people lately. I don't know what day I talked to who. <laughs> but uh, we were talking about the origin of honey. And I said they have found honey in urns in the Great Pyramids in Egypt. And she said, Oh yeah, she said honey's been honey has been gathered by humans since bees showed up and humans discovered it. Yep. And, That's and pretty I was, crazy. Well, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess maize is kind of the same thing. Yeah, you, you know, when when you when you date back, you know, the original Europeans didn't have corn or maize. <laughs> Uh, my ancestors that came from Germany, they probably never even really heard of corn until a lot of that integration with, with, you know, the 
the Americas and stuff like that. And once it became a <clears throat> uh, cultured type thing for everyone, you know, it, you know, you, you popcorn dating effectively back 5,500 years <clears throat> from now, you know, it, it, to me and a relative part of it, it it's nuts that uh, some dude see a, seen a plant and thought, huh, I wonder if I can eat that. And, what it's turned into from there. There are times where I really wish that there had been a standardized language that was written down for the whole world way, way back so that we could, we could get the person's thought process when they were like, I'm going to eat that really ugly fruit and see if I die. You know? Yep. There, really there, there has to be a point of that. You reach that. It's like, I am hungry enough that this is probably not on my list, but we're going to make an exemption today. Yeah, I'm either going to die of starvation or I'm going to die trying not to die of starvation. So, um, okay, so so why popcorn? Why were you why were you like we're going to grow popcorn? Uh, I It's actually pretty simple. Um, <laughs> I had came back home to the farm and I was milking cows and farming with my dad and my sister. And I had read in a thing out of Nebraska when I was a sales rep and service rep about popcorn and it being in niche markets and stuff like that. And and uh, me and my dad were talking about it. And my dad said, no, that ain't ever going to work. You ain't ever going to grow popcorn here. <laughs> well, I have, there's that little head in every little boy's head that says, you know what, I'm just going to do it just to prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was a 22-year-old or 25 year old boy that said, you know what, we're just going to do this. And mm-hmm. it started with four rows of popcorn in a garden and it's grown into a couple acres and, uh, several thousands of customers over the years and moving from Minnesota where we started with it out to South Dakota, continuing to grow it. And so it was kind of like a dare. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was, uh, I don't know, kind of something I wanted to prove myself for it. And now it, it's a justification for me to kind of do something that I like to do and use my antique tractors and kind of do a little bit of farming, but not yet have to be fully committed to it. Yeah, that's that's actually really funny because we, again, I keep telling my stories because I have to relate something to your story. We We used to live on a tenth of an acre lot in a tiny town and we've been on our acreage now for three over three years and back when we lived on the little tenth of an acre lot we were growing veggies and we really wanted to grow squash and specifically winter squash and you know that winter squash grows out it it, Mm -hmm. it vines out along the ground and a tenth of an acre lot with a four-car garage and a house on it you don't have a lot of room for the vines to go anywhere so my husband said to me, we're going to grow them up and not out. And I said, okay, why not try it and see what happens? And I mentioned it to my dad before we tried it. And he said, there's no way those vines are going to support a 10 to 12 pound squash. It's just going to fall off. <laughs> and I said, well, I said, from what I've been reading, the plant grows the stem strong enough to support the fruit. And he says, I don't know. And I said, we're out, what, five bucks for yep. seeds and, and whatever <laughs> we need to grow it. If it doesn't work, oh, well. And 
we had the most beautiful butternut squashes hanging from these, I don't know, arches that my husband built. And they were great. And I sent my dad a photo of them just before we picked them. And I was like, I guess, I guess Mother Nature knows what she's doing. And he was like, I'll be damned. I said, yeah, me too. I didn't know how it was going to go, but it went really well. So that was a minor dare sort of but I think yours was a bigger dare. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and it, it started with pretty much nothing. And then then it turned into, well, I can be somewhat successful with this. And then it kind of turned into the feel good of, oh, these people actually think what I'm doing is good. So now, it, you know, year after year, why people ask for it and call for it. And and a lot of time, the, I, I really like the interaction with people. Uh, visiting with them and kind of in four, eight years ago, the, they started coming up with the tell your story, you know, and, and I, I felt a lot of enjoyment with it and, and meeting people too, of all different walks and, you know, uh, people in Minneapolis. And it, it, a couple of years ago, we did a, we did a, we still do a drop off in Waconia, Minnesota, uh, for customers. Yep. And, uh, the first year we did it, that we went to, we did a drop off at the holiday gas station on highway five. Mm-hmm. And then we went and did another separate at a uh, quick trip in town. And there were people lined up that it, it was unbelievable, unbelievable to my kids of holy crap, how many people are coming to get popcorn today or holy crap, you know, and, that, and that's fun though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, you, and you're in the thick of it and oh, this is Brenda. She had four bags or, uh, this is Joe. He wanted 20 bags or, uh, this is Steven and whatever, you know, and, and every year I try to bring when we, when we do the customer drop off in Waconia, I try to bring like 20 bags, 30 bags extra. And this year I was only able to bring about 15 bags extra. And mm-hmm. I still had, 20 bags that I shipped out to customers that, you know, needed or wanted. So, I mean, it, uh, it, 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 to me, it is, it, it grows every year. I feel that, you know, I have something to offer and, and it, it, eventually my dream is I can grow enough popcorn to self-sustain and I don't have to have an eight to five job, but. I wish you all the luck in the world with that because it's really hard to do. Yeah. And, and to be and and. And I'm honest with myself about it. You go to Walmart, you can buy the same one-pound bag of my popcorn that came from their commercial grower in Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois. That -hmm. was combined with a combine. They had a million-dollar piece of equipment, sort it and scale it and grade it. And then they put it in this cute little bag that you rip open and you can only use once. And they're going to sell it to you for $7 a pound where... Me and my kids and my wife, you know, because th- th- with, with, with the way we grow and raise popcorn is I plant it with my M Farmall and a 4 Alice Chalmers planter. Mm-hmm. And then you have to hand thin popcorn uh, because the kernels, kernels are so small. And I remanufactured, they're called seed plates that go in the planter so that you just don't dump out corn consistently. Yeah. Um, but there's still it's still planted in a three kernel or a three seed hill, and so when all those seeds are growing and popped up and they're about six eight inches tall, uh, we walk up and down the rows and you we basically select 
which plant looks the best, and the other two get wiped out with a, with a hand hoe. Um, and we try to do a little bit of weeding when we're out there doing that, and then uh, I'll come through and cultivate with that same M Farmall with a mounted four-row corn uh, cultivator. Um, and then, it, it, there again, it's repetitive. Once the corn gets up so high and then you have enough of a weed establishment, you have to go out and you have to try to eliminate weeds um, because, A, uh, a weed will suck up that micronutrient that your popcorn needs. So we got to eliminate there. And then the other thing with weeds is they can also cross-pollinate with, you know, corn and popcorn and oh and really it, yeah there there's been studies on it that it is it like field corn and whatnot but it, to me i i was i was growing up and taught that a clean field of corn is a representation of you uh -huh. uh, so a lot of those guys back in the day when when uh liberty uh chemical herbicide came out and and uh roundup ready uh glyphosate tolerant or intolerant corn and all that uh, when when a lot of those came out instantly every farmer thought that he was going to have the cleanest field uh, no weeds uh, commodity production was going to go nuts and everything was going to be perfect well the secrets that they've learned along the way with you have to have x amount of water per acre you have to spray at this time of day. You have to have this amount of time of the chemical to dry on to all the weeds so that it, you know, works properly. And then, of course, you can't let those weeds get too big or otherwise it ain't going to do any good. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's a lot of that. And, and the reason that I choose not to use herbicides uh, is just because I, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, if I wake up tomorrow and say, you know what, we are going to grow popcorn and we're going to grow a ton of it and that's what we're going to do, then I would evade, the, I would leave the the cultivating and all the hand hard work, uh, but that that's what I want to do. Uh, every single pound, one pound bag of popcorn that I have that we sell, me and my family, it's me and my family, it's not... It's not a commercial thing. It's not combined. It's not just your average one-pound bag of popcorn that came from Nebraska or Illinois. So, yeah, no, I, I get it. My husband loves to garden, and the first year we were here, so three, three, the first summer we were here, so summer of twenty twenty-one. We didn't really have any buggy issues in the garden because the the area that he put the garden in hadn't been gardened in like 30 years, 40 years. So it was just grass <laughs> and, and weeds and no one had sprayed it. No one had done anything to it. So it was basically virgin again. And I know that's not really a thing, but that's how it seemed. And so we didn't really have bug issues that year. Summer of 2022, we had an invasion of potato bugs. Yeah. And... <laughs> He didn't want to put any um, insecticide on the plants. And after he lost six potato plants out of 30, he was That'll like, take care of it. what am I going to do? 
And I said, honey, I said, number one, I said, you can put the sevens dust on the ones that have the bugs because it will kill them. Yep. I said, I don't want you to, but I also don't want you to lose the last of your potato plants. I said, next summer, hit hit the plants with neem oil from the beginning, and that might yep. deter them. And he was like, put the neem oil, not, 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 not the neem oil, the, the sevens dust is bad for people. And I was like, you can wash it off. My dad yep. used sevens in our garden when I was a kid. Yep. And no one died from eating the produce. It's okay. <laughs> and he was so heartbroken because he'd never had to do it before. And he's been gardening for like, I don't know, at least 15 years. Yeah. And, so, and, and a lot of modern agriculture production has, the reason that my dad and my grandpa and his, their, all their dads rotated crops, you know. And when you rotate crops and you don't have a permanent, those bugs cannot make a home. Yeah. And and a lot of the same applies to gardening. You can't plant tomatoes in the same spot. You don't want to plant potatoes in the same spot. You you want to move it around in the garden. And a garden is a very small area and relatively to a 160 acres of corn or soybeans, but oh, but it yeah. still applies, you know. Yeah. The, the, the bugs did... don't know the difference. Yeah, and he actually had planted the potatoes in a different spot, which is why I was like, um, okay, weird that the bugs found your potatoes, but all right. So, yeah, it's all, as I keep saying, a lot of the things that homesteaders do and mm -hmm. even, even bakers do and crafters do, it's all a crapshoot. You know, you do what you have seen done or you've learned. And sometimes it works beyond your wildest dreams and other times it does not. And you have to take what worked and keep going with that and try not yep. to replicate the things that didn't work. <laughs> yep. You got that right. So, and I keep saying it and I sound like a broken record, but it's, it's life is a crapshoot. You know, you, you're born and hopefully you're born into a good family who loves you and they feed you and they house you and they clothe you. And then you move out and you get an education if that's what you want to do, or you get married and have kids if that's what you want to do. And hopefully you find a good spouse and hopefully it all works well. But more than likely, something is not going to work well your entire life. Every step of the way, it's not going to be all roses and candy. So. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. <laughs> yep. So do you got, do you, did you grow other corn before this? Oh like yeah, regular corn. Yep, yep. So okay. growing growing up on the farm, uh, we grow we grew uh, corn, soybeans, uh, and then when you really get into the corn world of it, uh, there's corn that is grown for silage that you would chop green and feed cows uh, or steers or whatever, and then there's dent corn that you grow strictly for whether it's ethanol production or just corn you're going to sell at the elevator. And then there is feed corn that you would actually, you combine it or you strip chop it. <clears throat> and that's grown for cattle feed as well, but you're not chopping the whole stock and cob. You're there's, there's a lot of, a lot of detail with it. Mm -hmm. The dent corn. Is that can that be fed to to livestock too? Oh yeah, yeah. You you can. It's just their genetic. You know, that's when you really get into the genetic genetic part of it, and okay. they're they're moving traits around in corn 
you know, uh, just a few things. There's stock, stock, stock strength, root, root strength, di- disease development or disease abatement, and then there's yield. Mm-hmm. So you have those basic ones that they move around on the ladder with with all that, you know, genetically in a lab. And then that, that takes about 10 years to get growable, viable seed that they take out into plots and that they plant. And then from that point, then it takes about another three, four years for them to get enough seed stock to sell to guys like me um, to plant and grow. And then it lasts for about five years after that. And then that original parent seed, you have genetically crossbred and hybrid and genetically modified it enough where a lot of those traits start to get weak. Mm-hmm. And then you got to start all over again. So it okay. takes, I, I, I sell uh, seed on the side, corn, soybean, alfalfa, sorghum, uh, elf, just a lot of the, a lot of the generic with another company. And, mm-hmm. uh, from from the time that a biological company, like Monsanto, Dow, uh, Corteva, by the time they when they start with that first initial investment until they're done, it's about a 15-year process. I know one of the corn genetic guys with Dairyland Seed, um, Ryan Mueller, I think that was about four or five years ago, corn that he first initially developed uh, the hybrid number was 7,004 DS. We sold that corn for about three years before it was a complete flop. <laughs> it, okay. It, it, it came out of the gate. It was a strong yielder. It was some awesome corn. I love planting it, and I love selling it. And then one year, I sold the living shit out of it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I had some <laughs> not happy farmers. They're like, what the heck is this? And I'm like, I don't know. And then, then I really divulged myself into learning corn genetics and soybean genetics. And I learned a lot from it, which bettered me as a salesman and a farmer. Yeah. And it, it, you, you really learn the ins and the outs of it. And the amount of money that is stuck into g- genetic development is crazy. I mean, uh-huh. I'm not a super educated person in the world. However, I do know that the amount of money that is stuck into genetics and growing corn, whether it's corn for animal consumption or human consumption, there should be zero reason at all in the world that we live in that there are starving people. Yes, I agree with you completely. <laughs> um and to so that we don't get too far down yep. that rabbit hole, because I really don't want to alienate listeners because I'm brand new at this, and let's yep. not make my people go away. Um, no, no. <laughs> my my husband asked me last year if we wanted to grow corn in our our garden, and we have a pretty sizable garden. It's it's not an acre. It's probably yep. I don't know, maybe it's a quarter of an acre. It's it's a good sized garden. And I said, why in the world would you grow corn? And he said, because it would be fun. And I said, it takes up a ton of room. You get two ears per stalk. I said, we can get sweet corn anywhere in Minnesota. For anywhere from 25 cents an ear to a buck an ear, depending on how the corn does it here. I said, I really wish you wouldn't use the valuable space in the garden corn and he was like okay and then my son who still lives with us came to me and he's like can i grow corn in my little garden 
because he has his own spot. Oh, yeah. he, does, he does hot peppers, and I don't eat hot peppers. And I don't want them <laughs> cross-pollinating with sweet peppers. I was like, yes, yes, young prince, you may grow corn. And my husband looked at me. I said, he's going to grow like four plants. <laughs> I said, and it's not in the garden. It's his yep. little pot. He's like, oh, yeah, okay. So, so my husband sold our produce at the Lasore Farmer's Market this summer. And sure as anything, in August, there's a parking lot right near the uh, the street that the farmer's market people line up on to sell. Mm-hmm. And guy pulls in with a big old pickup truck full of sweet corn. And this is a thing. We don't we didn't know it because we've only lived here three years. Mm-hmm. And we, we rarely go into town because we live outside of town and we don't have any reason to go into town proper. And so he comes home and he's like, I'm really glad we didn't grow corn. And I said, why? He said, because apparently there's a, a company or a family that grows corn in the area and everyone buys from them at that parking lot when the sweet corn comes in. Yeah. I was like, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, I'm really glad you didn't waste the room in the garden either. And we actually don't eat, we don't eat a lot of sweet corn. I, I, yeah. I think it was three, four years ago that we last bought fresh sweet corn in August. So I'm like, don't grow corn. We're not going to eat it anyway. And nobody's going to buy it from you because they have a source already. It worked out fine, but I just had to giggle. I just laughed. It was a riot. Yeah. So. Anyway, it's it's now like 20 after 5, and I try to keep these to half an hour because mm-hmm. it's just easier. And I'm sure you probably would like to get some dinner because you've been busy all day, I know. Yeah, yes, ma'am. So I really appreciate you yeah, talking Yeah, thank you with for me. taking the time. Yeah, and I was really curious about popcorn, so I'm really glad I found you. Yeah, if you have anything else or whatever, don't be afraid to call or whatnot. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Craig. You bet. Take care. Good night. Bye.